0: The Eco-Right Speaks podcast is your conservative home for weekly climate news, interviews, points of view, climate heroes, jesters, and so much more. We'll share the stories of people leading in their local communities and around the country. Welcome to the Eco-Right Speaks podcast. It's brought to you by RepublicEN.org.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Eco-Right Speaks, your climate-focused podcast produced by the team at RepublicEN.org. I'm your host, Chelsea Henderson, still sore from all the Mother's Day gardening and gardening adjacent activities I did over the weekend. I hope the pollinators are happy because my hands and shoulders are not. We were inspired to invite today's guest to the show after speaking to Emily O'Keefe two weeks ago. Drew Jones is the executive director and co-founder of Climate Interactive and a research affiliate at MIT Sloan, an expert on international climate and energy Issues, he is a system dynamics modeler and designer of simulation-based learning environments. Trained in environmental engineering and system dynamics modeling through a BA at Dartmouth College... And an MS in technology and policy at MIT, he worked in the 1990s at the Rocky Mountain Institute and in the 2000s with Dana Meadows at Sustainability Institute. He teaches system dynamics at MIT Sloan and at the University of South Carolina, North Carolina, excuse me, listeners, North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Drew and his team at Climate Interactive and MIT Sloan developed C Roads and N Roads, two user friendly climate simulations in use by analy- analysts around the world. We are going to talk about what that means coming up next. Listeners, welcome back. So excited to welcome Drew Jones to the show. Drew, thanks so much for coming on board.
2: Happy to be here, Chelsea. Thank you.
1: So you, uh, En-ROADS, well, we're going to get to En-ROADS in a second. Climate Interactive came up in a podcast a few episodes ago. So listeners, if you heard Emily O'Keefe from the College of William & Mary talk about her organization for a climate um, dividend movement she brought up En-ROADS as part of her rationale for why she picked yeah. dividend to, uh, to rally mm-hmm. around. So talk to us about how you helped co-found Climate Interactive and then where the En-ROADS simulator, you know, what was the spark that led you to create that?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad that they're using the simulator. It It really was built on this premise that was best said by my colleague over at MIT Sloan, Professor John Sturman said it best, which is that research shows that showing people research doesn't work. Research shows that showing people research doesn't work. For years and years, we've said, here are some of the pathways to climate success. Mm -hmm. And our eyes glaze over. Our eyes glaze over until we make it interactive. And so what we've done is taken the important climate models and economy models and land and uh, energy models and put them into a form where they can be used interactively. Mm -hmm. So a couple of years ago, I got to sit down with John Curtis out at the Aspen Institute, member of the House of Representatives from Utah, Republican member. And uh, we sat down and he said, hey, I want to see What would happen if we had more nuclear energy and carbon capture and storage and carbon removal? And and immediately in En-ROADS, our simulator, which is online, En-ROADS.org, you can see the results. And uh, we find that people are open to changing their mind and learning things when it's presented that way. And this really grew out of an innovation at MIT when I was there as a graduate student The models that existed were huge and they would run over several days or weeks and people would run the models and share the results. But there was a guy who at the Sloan School of Management, Tom Finneman, figured out how to get these to run in less than a second. And that technical innovation set up our team, now 12 of us, Climate Interactive, to build the models, now share them in 21 languages because... Uh, Hindi and Chinese. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a global problem. And so we share them for free and train people in using them and use them with decision makers to improve what we call people's mental models. The model that we use every day to make a decision and it's between our ears. We ha- we're here to improve mental models in actionable ways. And in particular, it's been fun. We met with 128 members of Congress before the passage of the IRA bill. And you mentioned the dividend movement. There are people out of that who are using it.
1: Yeah, no, that's great. And I was going to say, I wish that when I was on the Hill in 2007, 2008, working on a climate bill with my boss, that we had had something like this. And, you know, we used to do the economic modeling, right. And, and then there were all the projections like this bill will cut greenhouse Uh gases by, you know, 50% of 2050 level. Like, and it just seems so abstract because, Exactly. We were talking about cuts that were coming decades away. Hard to visualize because we can't see carbon, right? So it's not like, I don't know, even with uh, other air quality issues, you can see the smog has dissipated. You can yeah. see the impacts. It's, and, it's yeah. always been intangible.
2: And why should you believe that model? Yeah. Like Often someone comes to you and you say 50%. That sounds like a lot. And then... The first thought I have when I see a result like that is, wait, who's behind this model? Like, mm-hmm. who, what are they assuming in it? Yes. And if, it, if the result defies my intuition, it's pretty easy for me to say, oh, the modelers cook the books to make it look that way, because you know they can.
1: And we know they did because the <laughs> opposition was using, you know, modeling that should hold very different stories. Exactly.
2: So what we did with that is we said, well, let's make it transparent. Yes. Let's open it up. So when you go into En-ROADS and you don't believe the assumption about how rising CO2 in the atmosphere changes temperature, because there's an important number in there it's called the climate sensitivity, it's a really important number. If you don't believe that that's the proper assumption, change it. And do what we call policy sensitivity. Does it does it affect the action you would take coming out of this analysis? Oh, it doesn't. So it doesn't matter if that assumption is off. So we make it transparent, let people change it. It's just a very different approach to modeling that comes, frankly, out of the business world. Business people are used to having spreadsheets right. and changing things and using it just as support their thinking, not take over all of their decision-making.
1: Right. Well, and I really like this interactive part. I'm a storyteller, so uh-huh. I always think it's better to show than tell when you're, you know, absolutely create a narrative. And so having the ability for people to go in and, and like you said, you showed it to the policymakers before the IRA bill passage. And Mr. Curtis has been um, a guest on this show a few times. We are a big fans of him. You know, he's open-minded about looking at different things and very pro-nuclear. I mean, he doesn't favor the same approach we do, which is a price on carbon. And I want to get to that because oh, I good. hear, spoiler alert, that the price on carbon is one of the policy mechanisms that when you model in your simulator comes out effective.
2: It's very powerful in the way that it's able to transform this system because of two big effects. Mm-hmm. It uh, It really changes the fuel mix quite quickly. It's able to keep coal from being burned soon provide the incentives to reduce the emissions, but also oil and gas. And the timing is critical. Uh, if we just wait for the clean energy revolution to push out the pollutants that cause global warming, it takes decades for that long-term energy transition. Carbon pricing affects the the, the system very quickly and powerfully. And if we're able to dividend back to people some of the revenue, uh, it really could work. To also address the equity concerns.
1: Right. That then you built some support. Hey, who doesn't want, you know, I don't know what dollar amounts we're talking, but a couple hundred bucks or a thousand bucks or whatever it is. Yeah. I would look forward to that. I just got solar panels. I am looking forward to my first quarterly dividend check for the yeah. power I'm selling back to the grid. So I think it also makes you feel a little bit more like you're part of the solution uh-huh. because you are encapsulated in the policy mechanism. As Absolutely.
2: Absolutely.
1: Um, well, this, what you were just saying too about fossil fuels reminded me of, um, it was an op-ed or or an essay that I read recently from someone who was saying, you know, we can add all the renewables on the grid that the grids can handle and we yeah. that's a whole nother story. But unless we start reducing fossil fuels or setting the signals to reduce fossil yeah. fuels, we're never going to reach that net zero goal.
2: Absolutely. It's like uh, deciding that I'm going to diet by eating salad. But then I take the salad and put it on top of a huge plate of pasta.
1: Mm, That's my favorite way to eat salad, (laughs) renewables,
2: But (laughs) we're not yet cutting coal, oil, and gas emissions. Uh, Look at the data. They've been going up. We've been talking about them peaking for 30 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they have not yet peaked because we're getting more renewable energy and uh, zero carbon energy. And yet we're still burning more coal, oil and gas. So we need to take a hard look at a set of policy approaches, the clean energy revolution. But there's also more that's being done about making sure that we actually cut the pollutants that are causing the problem and prioritize The big five for me, like the big five, if we really are serious about meeting our goals, Mm -hmm. it would be things that reduce burning coal, oil, and gas within the next 10 or 15 years, cutting methane deforestation. Those are the top priorities. Our test should be, does it succeed at those big five? Yeah.
1: So would you say then your simulator plays a couple of roles, right? One, there's creating the buy-in because people can Use this to present to policymakers at any level, right? Local level, state level, federal level. Um, you talked about it being in several different languages. I'm sure you, if you haven't yeah. gone to a cop, maybe you will go to one of the climate cops.
2: Oh, we've been to fifteen been. of them. Yeah. Okay, okay, We're okay.
1: you're on it. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that buy-in aspect, but then yeah. to have a tool that really can show you what needs to happen is, to me, it's just like a nice one-two punch, not that we want to punch people. Yeah,
2: and I think show what needs to happen, and particularly the distinction regarding higher priority Mm -hmm. and lower priority actions. Mm -hmm. At this point, we need to be talking more about priorities and rigorously Mm -hmm. testing some of these new proposals that are coming out. Make sure that they are going to help deliver on the goals that we have. And Mm -hmm. sometimes when we do the tests, We identify lower priority actions. We tested, for example, a trillion trees. Mm -hmm. So we said, oh, let's go plant a trillion trees and watch what happens. And the baseline, we play that out and we were like, put it in there and how much is it going to reduce temperature? Go try it yourself. But it cut about 0.1% degree centigrade Mm -hmm. note that if we're headed at 3.6 we need to get well below two 3.6 becomes 3.5 by 2100 why it takes a long time to plant all these trees and then it starts removing carbon around the 2040s and 2050s that is not when we need to begin removing uh, removing carbon or at least avoiding emissions
0: We're energy optimists and climate realists. Stand with us at republicen.org. Now back to this week's episode.
1: I feel so so cynical about a trillion trees. Like, sure, I love trees, right? I get two free trees every spring and every fall in my community. Love trees. I plant them. I can pick from a list. Do it, Chelsea. I'm just like populating my yard with trees. I've gotten rid of my lawn, right? I do all these (laughs) things. But where are we going to put the trillion trees, first of all? yeah. And maybe we should just focus on not cutting down the ones that are
2: already... absolutely. (laughs) Job one, reducing deforestation. Yes. And the equity concerns about a trillion trees. It's about two and a half... No, one and a half Indias of space... In trees, who lives on the land where we're planting these trees currently? Who grows food and is counting on that food? Yeah. So it's really uh, an equity challenge as well. But the key thing here is can we rigorously examine the proposals we put forward and make sure that we're prioritizing high leverage actions uh, at this time? And it goes beyond trees to testing all the things that I'm curious about. There's so many proposals around carbon capture and storage. How much can that help? There are proposals around uh, new zero carbon energy, fusion. Wow, what if we had fusion? We're testing that to see what kind of contribution. That's
1: really exciting. This week, the Biden administration announced some new um, power plant rules. I mean, there's always something on the table. And we should know what the biggest bang for the buck is, right? What are the policies that we can take now to get that slope going back down. Yes. Because yes. we don't want to waste our time on the things that are just going to cut, you know, as you said, one-tenth of a percent or one-tenth of a degree or, you know, it's not enough fast enough.
2: Well said. Well said, Chelsea.
1: So who, do you pitch yourself and your simulator to policymakers or are they coming to you now?
2: Yeah. Uh, lately, they've been coming to us. It's exciting right. to see. Yeah. Uh, the biggest push lately, and a lot of this is with our partners, at MIT Sloan, mm-hmm. I mentioned them earlier, yeah. and we continue to work with them, and particularly the the sustainability initiative and what we call the Climate Pathways Program (CPP), which is this initiative within MIT with UMass Lowell, our team at Climate Interactive, and really they've been knocking at our door. There can't tell you about some of the folks we're working with, but lately mm-hmm. it's been consulting companies, mm-hmm. the financial services companies, mm-hmm. uh, many banks. They're thinking about climate risk and policy analysts really trying to both first get up to speed and just about what are the issues, engage many more people, but then bring some rigor to their analysis of transition risk Mm -hmm. for companies and policy for states national governments. And then, as you mentioned, at the UN, we're planning to go, of course, uh, to the next big meetings at COP28 in Dubai.
1: And that just reminds me too, and listeners have heard me say this, climate change is not an environmental issue, right? It's a public health issue. It's an economic issue. It's so much broader than just the environment. And um, Bob Inglis had an op-ed published this week about the, um, the home insurance crisis in Florida, because it's Floridians are now limited on what underwriters they can go to because so many have left the state or they've gone insolvent. And that's because of the, you know, the, all the huge, partly, you know, because of the huge storms and all of the the claims um, from like Hurricane Ian last year, which was second most costly hurricane after Katrina. And so it, you know, those are real financial yeah. ramifications of the climate crisis. Floridians pay like three times on average for their home insurance or premium to the rest of the the country and that's a lot that's a lot
2: absolutely it's great that that bob is writing about that and and having us think about the physical risk side of this mm-hmm. of course the transition risk if we stay invested in some of these industries that are if we succeed with climate action are going to sunset and uh, shrink Uh, On the transition risk risk side as well, it's important. And in En-ROADS, we capture that by, we actually connect our scenarios to the climate central sea level rise maps. Hmm. So that when you create a scenario and you test, say, carbon pricing and energy efficiency and cutting deforestation and methane, you can see in Florida Hmm. or in Bangladesh or Alexandria, Egypt, what land is not at risk anymore Because we did implement the policies and investments that avoid so much future warming. See it viscerally. Choose a place in the world, go look at it and say, is it better? Is it improved? Because the technology, the mapping technology is there thanks to the hard work of Climate Central.
1: And with 40% of Americans living within a mile of the coast, it feels like some people need to be looking at that in their own place where they live, and maybe they don't live in a spot where they're getting, um, you know, a Cat Five hurricane, but they're going to see sea level rise. They're going to have those um, high, um, uh, the storm surges. Storm surges, yeah, absolutely. yeah, crazy. Yeah. Um, well, this is all so fascinating. I feel like I could geek out with you forever. <laughs> if okay, so let's say my town of you know six thousand people passed a climate resolution, I don't know, five years ago, pre-pandemic. And, you know, resolutions, they're feel good, right? Like we're eco-friendly and la, 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 yeah, la, la, yeah. la. And then what I'm trying to do just as a private citizen is help guide the town to adopting policies that back up the feel-good language of the resolution. So is En-ROADS too Big of a thing yeah. to dial down on a hyper-local level. Yeah. What
2: we love doing, and I'm doing it next week in Rhode Island, and years ago, Bob Inglis and I did this in Greenville in his Ooh, home area <laughs> where the two of us stood up there and uh used the simulator with people who were he invited to a coffee shop.
1: Wow. Think global. Yeah.
2: Act community. Yeah. Think global. Act state. Think global. Act business. Yeah. Uh We find that experimenting with this simulator, which is free online, there's a whole training course there Mm -hmm. on our website to learn how to do this. Uh, We find that people are able to understand this issue as an interconnected system, Mm -hmm. energy and land and economy and equity and impacts and benefits all together. They can also see what are the higher priority actions and lower priority actions around the world. See that it's possible. Yeah. We can do so much to prevent the worst case futures. See what benefits we get and then put it aside and say, here we are. We have a resolution. What is the highest leverage thing? Oh, mm-hmm. we're talking here about energy efficiency. We're talking about insulating public buildings. Great. Choose something. Get to work on that small part of the system because uh, that's how it's going to happen. Yes. Think global. Think global. Act at whatever scale you have uh, influence on.
1: Well, I'm going to keep up my drum beating on banning gas-powered leaf blowers then because (laughs) that's my my mission right now. You know, the the emissions from that, the health impacts, all the things. The
2: sound pollution, yes.
1: Moving toward electrification in all areas. Um, true, this has been really fun and so knowledgeable. Yeah, yeah. Where can listeners find more information? Yeah,
2: people go to Climate Interactive, just type in Climate Interactive or, or En-ROADS, E-N ROADS, and the model is there. But really to use it, uh, we shot 63 five to eight minute videos wow. for a Chelsea Henderson or somebody to be able to go and do the workshop that Bob Iglis and I did together for somebody else.
1: Well, Um, I know what I'm doing in my downtown time now. So, (laughs) (laughs) and if I like, if I, if I watch all these videos and I get, have some conversations in town, I'll definitely report back.
2: Wonderful. Sounds good, Chelsea.
1: Bryce, did you have a nice Mother's Day?
3: I did. Happy Mother's Day to you, Miss Mother. You did you have a good day?
1: Yeah, I I gardened a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but that yeah, that's about it. Uh, you know, both boys are still gone, so uh, yeah, it it was just me, and I hung out with some friends both nights, so that was fun.
3: Yeah. Well, that's awesome. You, uh, moms like you, all moms around, like was said yesterday. In my wife's presence, moms are superheroes without capes, and that could Aww. not be more true. Could Aww. not be more true.
1: Well, thank you. I wish I knew how to do some magic, or I had like <laughs> some extra strength or something. But I'll take it. <laughs> um,
3: you guys, all moms everywhere, have superpowers that maybe they know or don't know that they have, but they work magic daily so the thank eyes you in the
1: back of the head are kind of nice <laughs> yeah yeah
3: well it was nice having andrew jones our this week's guest from inroads yes. and climate Inter- or i guess you say climate interactive but his inroads tool that he developed is quite a fascinating uh exercise and if you've never done it you, you know obviously go to climate interactive to check it out online but man it uh that is proven to be an ever popular tool when it comes to uh, carbon pricing.
1: Yeah, I still think it would be really cool to um, do some sort of very active webinar thing with him where he could sort of, we could demonstrate, we could see it in action. Hard maybe to visualize on a podcast that's recorded, but uh, super cool. And what I love about Drew is just his ability to, um, you know, takes, you know, something complex like a modeling system, which you know, the back-end material and work that goes into making that functional um, and just make it sound so easy and seamless. And I also have to note, because I know you are an Atlanta Braves fan, there is no way you don't say his name and not think about the baseball player, Andrew Jones, right?
3: Uh, It it, actually is funny. It did cross my mind when I was listening to it and editing the audio. I did think about, uh, (laughs) except the problem is, I mean, yes, it sounds exactly the same, but Andrew where he spells his first name with the U at the end is still, it's still odd. But when I hear Andrew Jones, yes, I do think about the (laughs) should be hall of fame center fielder for the Atlanta Braves who, uh, one of the best defensive outfielders ever, but But back to our Andrew Jones. Jones. Yes. Yes.
1: He's phenomenal. So great and easy to talk to. And I hope that we can, um, hear and share more of him in the future.
3: Yeah, yeah, his that that tool is the inroads tool is very popular. Also, developed the sea roads tool as well, but the inroads one is probably the one that most people, at least listeners, would be more familiar with, um, and maybe even having participated uh, in inroads exercise. So, yeah, it was great having him on, and um, is is uh, I think it was maybe an email exchange as soon as uh, after we had. Uh, was our student from William & Mary. Very shortly after that, Bob said, well, you should have uh, so-and-so on. And then we got an email suggesting we should have Andrew on. So the the forces collided.
1: (laughs) Bob's email to me suggesting him for the show came moments after Drew had accepted my calendar Ah. request to record. So all kismet. We are all thinking on the same wavelength. And um, speaking of guests and episodes, next week, mm-hmm. um, we have Sarah Spence from the Ohio Conservative Energy Forum. So that is the um, sister organization to our friends at the Indiana Conservative Energy Alliance. So one of the um, affiliate groups with the Conservative Energy Network, which is the national Um, organization and so she'll be talking about what's what with clean energy in ohio so super excited to have that conversation and bring it to our listeners
3: yeah we were excited to uh partner with the ohio conservative energy forum last week right in the happy hour that we co-hosted with them and our friends at ccl in cincinnati awesome job by angela lark on our team for helping um you know, get everybody roped in and organized, and pull that event off. And so we had a great, uh, good. Bob had a good week in Cincinnati. Started in um, Greater Indianapolis area, speaking to a women's GOP club. And then uh, he migrated slowly to Cincinnati to finish out the day there. So yeah, it was a, it was a good week last week that was capped off by the happy hour that we uh, that we were fortunate to co host with the Ohio Conservative Energy Forum. So looking forward to have Sarah on next week.
1: Well, what's so crazy is that this episode that we are wrapping up right now is episode 15. Sarah will be episode, this is 14. Sarah will be 15. Um, I have our, it won't be the 16th episode, I guess maybe like the 17th or 18th episode guest lined up. But really, we just have three open spots for the rest of the season because, you know, we always wrap up with our best of and we have invitations out there for folks to join us. So I'm just feeling like, wow, we are three quarters of the way through this season and I don't know where the time has gone.
3: Yeah, we will be wrapping up the season soon, taking a break and then season seven no. later in the summer. Holy cow. It I is know. coming. How did we get to this point?
1: So crazy. We'll
3: look back a little bit later. We've got more to do in season six before we start okay. looking back and reminiscing. But um, appreciate all our new members who stood with us last week. Too many to name because many are from the Indiana, Ohio Region where Bob was at last week. So I, I will just say thank you to everybody that is now standing with us from those areas, which if you have not done so, you can do it Republican.org forward slash join. It takes mere seconds. Weekend review will be the one thing you get every week on Friday. Chelsea's wrap up of the week in energy and environment. It is a must read the highly acclaimed, much anticipated Friday wrap up and report that we get usually by what shortly after lunchtime mid afternoon chelsea?
1: Yeah, I always try to schedule it between like one thirty and two forty five, depending on if it's a holiday weekend. And yeah. you know, I want to get it late enough in the morning that if you're on the west coast it's not like it's already in your inbox when you wake up because you know what those messages sometimes I just delete them price when I wake up and I see a I just like <sighs> delete, delete um but yeah and then not so late in the day that our east coasters are like oh I'm checking out for the weekend and I'm done so yep. that is strategically timed but you know whether you read it when it hits your inbox or you read it sometime later over the weekend, I think it's all still pretty relevant. And so, uh, of course, I highly recommend it, but you can only get it if you sign up. So join us.
3: Let me second that, all of that that Chelsea just said and exclaimed, I second it too. But until next week, Chelsea, have a great rest of the week to our listeners, wherever you are. Whatever time it is, appreciate you all Download, listening, subscribing, which you can do on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you get your podcast. Just search Right Speaks, a new episode delivered right to your inbox, phone, tablet, whatever device it is that you are using to listen to us on Tuesdays. That is when we come to you with a brand new episode. Chelsea, you delivered once again, and you'll do it again next week. Can't wait.
1: See you then.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's edition of the Eco-Right Speaks podcast brought to you by the team at RepublicEN.org. Make sure to visit RepublicEN.org to learn more and find out how you can be a local Eco-Right leader.